Okay, here we are back with Burlington on the spot. It is March 25th. Uh, in the studio today, we have Jessica Shart and we have Tara Penny, and they're here to talk about youth mentoring and CASA. So take it away. Tell us what, what we're going to talk about today. So I'm Jessica Shart. I'm the Collaborative Management Program Coordinator for Kit Carson County. And what that program really does is work with children, youth, and families to make them successful. And that just the family needs resources, systems to kind of all work together. And that's really what we do. And what we noticed kind of through a lot of the referrals to our program is there were a lot of youth who needed that adult kind of outside their family that could be a support, could kind of teach them some things, take them under their wing. And so we started looking at mentoring programs and we wanted something formal that had support um, for both the mentor and the mentee. So people kind of knew a direction and had the resources they needed. And we eventually found Advocates for Children, CASA, and they operate out of Arapahoe, Douglas, Elbert, and Lincoln County. And they have a voluntary mentoring program called the Legacy Project. So from a period of about six months, we worked with them to be able to bring that program out here and have been running it since Tara, our first mentor, went through training in July. That is awesome. So basically what brought this on is you saw a need from your job. Mm -hmm. You're like, hey, we, we have youth in the community that could use mentoring. Yeah, absolutely. There was just a lot of youth who just needed that extra support. Um, parents, parents were busy. Parents were working. Parents had other things that they that needed priorities, um, and that youth really just needed kind of their own person. And then you saw an example in other communities that were already doing these programs, and so you built it on that. Yes, the Legacy Project through Advocates for Children has been running since two thousand and six. And so they've kind of worked out the kinks. They've got it figured out, which was really nice for us because we weren't trying to build a program in the air that, um, so we really felt good about the success that we could have success with it. Gotcha. So you didn't have to start from scratch. You had something, they said, hey, we've, we figured out what works, what doesn't work, um, go with this blueprint and you should see success. Mm -hmm. And then what's an example, it, you know, without going into names or anything, like what would be a real life case of somebody like that you saw and you're like, oh, okay. We need this program. So we had a youth who was struggling with school, um, had dropped out, and was just trying to find their place in life. Parents were busy at work and had a lot of stuff, other things going on that needed their attention, and this youth really just needed someone to take them under their wing. So we have, one that, we have another one who had unfortunately kind of been bounced around a lot to a lot of homes and kind of just needed a consistent person in their lives. So at that point, the way it got on your radar is because there were already issues. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then who brings, the, who brings that to you or how does that? So people put in referrals to our program just saying, like, we've identified a youth who just needs help. Um, the family needs help. We need them to be success, like successful in school, um, maybe learn some skills. And so they get a referral to our program. And one of the things we screen them for is, are they appropriate for the legacy program? Gotcha. And I guess why I'm asking is if somebody's watching this, right? And, and they're watching the podcast and they're like, hey, I know somebody that could use help. Well, everyone can. I mean, it could be something where, hey, they could get a little more instruction or whatnot. They, they would reach out. How would they get a hold of you to reach out? So they can contact the collaborative management program. And we do have a website, um, which... All we can share later. Um, okay. Or it can be contacted directly, which is um, with, on my phone, which is 719-347-1194. And we will really take referrals for anybody. It's just like this youth, this child, this family needs help. 
Um, and I always joke that in my job, I've done any everything from trying to find a vet that will spay and neuter a guinea pig um, to help a family succeed to really budgeting or helping find housing, those kind of things. So we really cover the gamut to support families. Well, that's a big, that's, that's, that's a wide range of things right yes. there. I gotcha. And so Tara, how did you find out about the program and what made you want to get involved and I guess share your experience thus far? Okay. So actually, gosh, I'm so excited to have this program in Burlington. Several years ago, um, I sat on a committee and I heard about CASA. I checked into maybe getting a CASA in Burlington, Colorado, and it was it was going to be a huge ordeal. And so it's always been in the back of my mind. Um, my family and I have been a foster family, providing foster care for um, over 10 years in Kit Carson County. We're no longer signed up for that, but yet I always have that uh, drive and desire and love to help um, the youth of our community. So Jessica happened to get a, get a hold of me and ask if um, the mentoring program, the legacy program, is something I would be interested in, which was right up my alley. It was something I was looking for. It was a little bit of um, volunteering. It doesn't take up a lot of time, but it's something that I could give of myself and that I'm passionate about and changing the life of a youth. Of a youth. And so that's how I got involved in it. Wow. And so you, you are coming from a, a big background of understanding what it takes because fostering is obviously a full-time job. Um, this, how does it compare to fostering so far? It's totally different. In foster care, of course, we had our own kids. My husband and I had three three kids, and they were in our home as well. So helping to foster, it was just like adding one or two more kids to your home. Right. But it's a 24-hour, I mean, you work 24 hours a day. Well, it's another, fa- almost like another family it member, is. right? It is. And um, so the, the Legacy Mentoring Program is for ages 13 to 23. Okay. So... And in fostering, I was always more interested in the younger kids. So when the 13 to 23 came in, I just wasn't quite sure that I had what it took to be able to mentor that age group. Mm-hmm. But um, currently, I have, a, I have a 17, just turned 18-year-old mentee. Okay. And I have been with that person since September after I was trained. And there has been a lot of ups and downs, but far more ups. And... I think what this program does is it gives these these youth a voice. And I always like to think of some of these youth that maybe don't have the support that they need as being on the fence. And they can go one way or they can go the other way. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes all they need is just one dependable person in their life that has the time to be there for them. And by being there, I don't mean 24-7 like, in foster care. Mm-hmm. What I mean is maybe that youth wants to look up in the stands at a ball game and see you there. Oh, gotcha. That's you cool. Um, of course, I'm with an 18-year-old, so that's kind of past. But, for instance, in our relationship, this youth um, was trying to get a GED. Okay. And the problem that he had was he wasn't very good in a certain subject that he needed to take to get the GED. So he wanted to go to the testing site which was in Fort Morgan. He didn't want to just take it online. He thought he had transportation with a family member, but he wasn't quite sure that person was going to come through. So I said to him, hey, I'm your backup. If you wake up that morning and it isn't going to work, 
or the cars broke down, or you don't have gas money, or that person backs out on you, you call me. I will be your ride. And lo and behold, it happened, and I got to pick him up. We went to um, Fort Morgan, spent the whole day together, and he took his GED, came out with flying colors. Wow. Yeah, I got to see see him get on his um, phone, look up his, his score right there in my car with me, and... It just brought all that passion back to me as to why why we need this program and why it's so important to get volunteers to help help these youth. Oh, that's that is really cool when you can share a story like that. That's real. It yeah, really that's is. awesome. So then, if somebody wants to get involved with this, what's the path? I mean, you know, because it sounds like fostering. I know I have so much respect and admiration for that because the commitment you're making to that is it's unparalleled. And then maybe somebody doesn't want to or can't make that giant commitment. This right. feels like, hey, I could start here, or it might be a better fit. I could reach out. It almost feels like, and I don't know, big brother, little brother. It is. Because I don't yeah. think we have that in the community, right? Yeah. So does, am I kind of saying that right? That's Absolutely. how it would fit somebody? Absolutely. And absolutely, that that is the, that is the best way to describe it. You did a great job on that, Troy. Um, so what happens as far as, and that was my concern too, is like how much training is this going to take? How many hours is it going to take per week or per month? I'm not a paperwork person. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm not good. Right. I'm not you just want to be involved. I want to be involved. You know, I don't, on committees, I'm not the one that's going to, that is going to write the grant or that's going to do all that. I'm the one that I want to just put my feet on the pavement and go talk to people and Take them for coffee. Give them rides through GED testing. Yeah, just help like them. That. Be like that mentor, coach, parent, whatever Absolutely. that's missing. So that was important to me that it doesn't take a lot of paperwork because to me that's a total waste of time even though I know it's important. Yeah. Especially for um, like CASA. I mean, they get a lot of grants. So they do have to keep a lot of, you know, they have to keep, you know, tabs on our hours, how many hours we spent with our mentee and stuff. But to back up, um, starting off, um, they do a background check. Sure. Um, we go into um, a training, which is a 32-hour training. Back in January, we did that all online. So it was three weeks, three times a week, I believe, that we did did training. Um, and it's still online. They've um, moved to an all-virtual model. So out here, no, if, for mentors out here, they don't have to drive gotcha. to Denver to do it. And it's um, it's a three-week period on, like, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and there's a morning session you can attend or afternoon, and you can, like, flip between it. So depending on a person's schedule, if they can make it work. Yeah, so there's no barrier to getting involved that has to deal, you know, deal with having to go far to train or whatever. You can no. do it virtually. That's exactly right, and I did the same thing. Some mornings worked better for me. Some nights worked better for me. What's neat about that is you are seeing people from the front range. You're seeing people from all over Douglas County and different ones that are just like yourself stepping in there as a volunteer. So we all have a lot of the, the same questions and we're all in the same, the same boat, so to speak. Sure. So once you, um, and you sign forms that say that you're committed to this program, um, they ask for a commitment of one year to 18 months. We are only given one mentee at a time. So that was a, that was something that was kind of overwhelming for me at first. I'm like, how many mentees are we going to be giving? Because, I mean, that could turn into a full-time job. Right. And this is a volunteer position. So, but they only make sure you have one mentee at a time. So our focus is on that one, that one child, that one youth, that one person. And they ask that we um, spend at least 10 hours a month with that person. 
and and that varies. Like when I took my mentee to Fort Morgan, I mean, obviously that took with everything that went yeah. on. I mean, that took about ten hours in itself. Sometimes we just meet for coffee. Sometimes we go drive around. Sometimes we'll go to the park. Um, it just kind of depends on on what we do. There's sometimes when I'm gone. Maybe I want to go on a family vacation. That doesn't hold you back. You can be in contact with your mentee by phone. Maybe there's a week that he's busy, she's busy, or I'm busy and say, hey, you know, we're not going to be able to get in touch this week, but hey, let's keep in touch. Send me a text. Send me a call. I'm here for you if you need me. Um, so it's very, very flexible, even yeah. though there are, you know, you do sign, you do have to put in time to it. Obviously, but like on, on a weekly basis, I know it probably varies, but if you had to look, so how long have you been doing this? It'll be a year. In September? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, like seven months, eight months. What would you, is it weekly? How, how often do you think that you're uh, involved? Kind of depends. Um, most of the time I will meet with my mentee at least once a week. Okay. And then there'll be a couple phone calls possibly in there. It just kind of depends on what's going on at the time. Um, some weeks are busier than others. Um, so I would say that I probably put in about with, I have to log all of my time with him because obviously, you know, that with CASA, they want every every minute you're with that person logged. You know, sure. what, what's happening? What's going on? Are the goals being met? What can we do to help you? What can we do to help them? What kind of resources can we pull out of here? So um, after I meet with the, the youth, I go in and I'll put it in Optima. It's called Optima, Optima, and you put in what you did. Did you spend any money? Yeah, I bought a cup of coffee for that person. Your mileage, you do all of that. So somebody, okay. a, mentor, a mentor gets reimbursed then for this stuff? or No, it's oh. all volunteer, okay, but they so use all it volunteer. towards grants. They can gotcha. use it towards, yeah. That's why they're tracking. Yes. Okay. And then at the end of the year, they can, they can go to my name, Tara Penny, and go, okay, look, she's put in... 235 volunteer hours, and this is where we are with that person. So we can go get funds then to support the program further. So as you're going through this whole process, is there a support system? Who do you reach out to if you have a question? Is it other mentors that you guys meet, or is it Jessica, or how does that work? Actually, I reach out to Jessica here in Burlington, which which is an awesome support. And I can also, I also have a coordinator up at the CASA office in Arapahoe County. And that's who Jessica mentioned earlier that they started this program with. So I can contact her. For instance, maybe I need, maybe the person I'm with um, needs help on house cleaning. Sure. And I can say, hey, Jessica, do you have a form on house cleaning and what needs to be done on a daily basis or weekly basis? Either she can get it for me or somebody up at the front range, Jessica, up there. Jess can get it for me up there. They have all kinds of resources. Another thing that's really cool by working with the bigger agency through Arapahoe County is on your mentee's birthday, they have all that log. They'll say, hey, what is your mentee nice. like? Does he like? They, they send a, a gift card to that mentee. If, um, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, when he passed his GED, they send him a congratulation, right little $25, you know, gift card to something. And so it's amazing that Burlington has the resources that it does here in town, mm-hmm. but to add the CASA from Arapahoe County and who we're under, it brings, it just broadens the whole area. Yeah, I think the thing to me that just is so cool about it is it's, you know, as youth are growing up and they have issues, they've got teachers, they've got other mentors or whatever, but they're wrapped into their life. 
right? And this is somebody on the sideline that can kind of be a confidant or help you that's not the pressure of, of you know, having to perform for them or whatever, or expectations. Like, you're, they're just there to help you if a parent isn't or even a third voice, right? That's absolutely. We're there to help help be their voice, but we're also there to help them to be their own voice. And, you know, there's a fine difference between enabling and and, and advocating for somebody. And so as far as my youth, um, he's old enough that he needs to start advocating for himself instead of me advocating for him. However, say maybe you have a 14-year-old that's an eighth grader or a freshman in school. You know, maybe um, for some reason, maybe their parents are busy and can't come to parent-teacher conferences or there needs to be a meeting with some teachers or this, the student's really struggling with something. This program can actually give, we can get permission through the schools for us to be able to go in and talk to the teachers and find out kind of maybe on the inside, well, what is going on? What is that child possibly they're not getting enough sleep? Right. Maybe, maybe it's something from home, maybe it isn't. But we are, we're just that extra support for them to let them know that you are not alone in this, mm. that we are here for you. And I think as far as being a mentor, that is one of the things that my mentee has stressed is just knowing that I'm dependable. And I may not have all the answers, and we may not agree on everything. Right, but you're there to listen. I'm going to be there for him. And of anything, I think I've learned probably the most is how to be a better, better listener. Mm-hmm. You know, I we go into things, and we're taught in training about our biases and how we as individuals, no matter who we are, we have our own biases. You know, we we look at things and we we're judgmental because that's how we've been raised, whether it's good, bad, or whatever. And we learn in training that we need to step out of that box and we need to listen to somebody else, see where they came from, see where their thoughts are, see what, how they lived, and then what can we do to help them. And I think that has been very eye-opening for me. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And in the mentees, do they provide feedback to the program as they're going through it? Yeah, so I kind of stay in contact with, the mentee, just because they're still part of our program of how things are going, because um, the mentor and the mentee will come up with goals that they want to work on. Are those, are there, are there, what things are they working on? And I mean, Tara's great, but if, and she kind of has the resources to be able to help the youth, but if it comes up and it's like, this youth needs this resource, or they don't have money to take the youth out to coffee, those are things that they can come back to us, and then our, the, the collaborative management program can kind of help fill that need. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have other partners that we can work with because we don't want p- there to be barriers for people to be mentors. Right. And so if it's mileage, if it's gas money, if it's because coffee, money for coffee, those are all things that we can help solve for a mentor to, to just remove all barriers so they can really connect with the youth. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I really love about the program is – you only have one because I could see how if, if you had like a bunch, it spirals out of control, then you're not giving the attention to the one that's needed. So I guess the challenge is you got to get more mentors, right? Is that, I mean, yeah. moving forward, because when this relationship could last another five years, potentially until, until the, the no. mid or what will happen that? is that um, they ask for a commitment from one year up to 18 months and it could last maybe two years. Okay. Um, once we get, our goals met once this 
this youth is is headed in the right direction, then and we know that it's it's solid. Mm-hmm. Um, then we could phase him, I guess, or her out of the system, and then we could get a new one. However, like you said, it's going to last for years, <laughs> and we, <laughs> you know, you're going to get you're going to get a youth, and you're not just going to quit with that youth when you're no longer associated with CASA or Advocates for Children oh, because yeah. you've already built a relationship with them. And my mentee and I have already talked about that, you know, that because I think it makes that person, makes him a little bit nervous about, oh, you know, we're, we're hitting our goals so good here that what's going to happen when I don't have you in my life? And I just reassured him that, look, it could look different, mm-hmm. but, yep, but that's I, what I was will just be a say. part of your life. The engagement yeah. might be a little bit different, yeah. but somebody who's going to make this first step to volunteer anyway, I, I can't imagine yeah. it's going to be easy to be, you know, you're going to keep in touch a little bit. The engagement Absolutely. just is different. Absolutely. Yes. And then so has the experience been everything that you had hoped for or wanted out of it as being a mentor? Yes, it has. We've had our challenges. Um, and, but I think that's, what's neat about it is you don't have to be perfect to be a mentor. And by all means, I am not perfect. And sometimes, some days I do things right with my mentees. Some days I'm like, dang, I should have said something different or I should have reacted to that different. Or maybe he could see the disappointment on my face. I hope not. And so it just encourages me to do better next time. But um, absolutely. I mean, I think there's just, when you volunteer for something and you're with an individual and you see them flourish or even even not flourish, even take a couple steps back and then mm-hmm. see them struggle to work their way back up. You just develop a relationship with them that no matter what happens, it's it's all worth it. Yeah, and, and I think to that point, you know, if you were looking for perfect mentors, there would be none. There would be none. So, I, and, and you're going to learn from your experiences. And I guess moving forward then, is that something where you help another mentor and say, hey, this is somebody out of this podcast or how, I don't know how you guys are reaching out or letting people know, but would they say, Hey, I'm going to start this. And then you maybe give them a little bit of feedback. Absolutely. I, yeah. I said, I think, um, because yeah, our goal is to really recruit more mentors because we have one youth right now who's waiting for a mentor. That was my next question. And then we have a couple that we, we have their applications ready to submit, but we haven't wanted to submit because we don't want to keep them on the wait list forever for a mentor out here. And so our hope is to really get more mentors. Um, so we can just kind of continue to send in those referrals. Wow. So there's one ready that, that said, hey, I, I'll take a mentor. Yeah. And what's great about this program, so there are CASAs where they're like court-appointed special advocates where the court says like you have to have some kind of a mentor in your life. Where okay. ours is all voluntary. Yeah, so that makes youth, a difference too. I get that. The youth and the parent come in and say like we are committed to this program. We want this personally so it's nothing forced on them. And so the buy-in that we, I think the buy-in and the engagement we get um, with the youth is is different than right. if it was court-appointed. Yeah, I agree. And so there's one waiting and there's a couple more mm-hmm. that want to put in applications. H- how are they finding out about this program? Is it in school? Is it in the social programs? or? So it's because they're kind of, they've been involved in the collaborative management program kind of as a family, and we've identified that they really have that need. But we've also, when we first started this program, I went to the schools, I went to a couple service organizations to talk about this program. And so I have a couple referrals from teachers who say, 
like this kid just really needs somebody in their lives. And so I think two of my referrals are from teachers that have really identified the need and they want to kind of take that that youth under their wing but don't have the ability to really be committed like Tara has been able to be with her mentee right now. And then another one has kind of been through our process. Some of them are, we also have another one sitting who had been involved in children child welfare mm-hmm. and has since closed that case out but really noticed that that youth needs that continued support. Gotcha. So they're right now in a perfect world next week you would want three more mentors is that where we're at I could get three more I would (laughs) jump for joy um and like Tara was saying about the paperwork that's like she has to do our paperwork but our program handles kind of all the back work so we're the one that has the contract for advocates for children we're the one that does all the funding pieces kind of for our county and everything to Mm -hmm. kind of keep that out of Right. So if somebody raised their hand next week and they're like, I'm ready, what, how long does it take from that time to actually becoming, a, you know, having meetings and being a mentor? So it depends on like the training schedule. And so ideally they have a training July, the week of July 18th. So if someone wanted to become a mentor pretty quickly, they could start going to, or sorry, July, April 18th. I was going to say that's pretty far out. Yeah, but yeah. April 18th. And so they could attend that training And I think they say on average, they would like to know like a week or two before that, the three-week training to be able to complete background checks, reference checks, those kind of things, but have also said if we need to push somebody's paperwork through as quick as we can. Based on the circumstances or whatever. Yeah, we can. And so the training's in April, and if someone wasn't able to attend that, then they're holding another training in July. So they do it every other month for the mentor part of it. Gotcha. And then up to this point, how are you? I mean, obviously we're doing the podcast today to get the word out, but how else are you getting the word out? Honestly, just personal relationships. People I know who kind of have a similar heart that Tara does kind of nudging them and being like, don't you want to do this program with me? Um, and like gotcha. I said, we did talk to some service organizations. I know we got one of our mentors, a church posted in their churches. church bulletin. And so we got one of our mentors that way. So it's kind of just been through word of mouth and it adds this, this was our first year of this program, and I think we recognize that there's just an increase, increased need for this program. And so it's like, how do we continue to drum up the mentors to be able to support kind of all the mentee relationships that we already have and then we can see the potential for expanding for? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's such a great program because it's it's not all intensive, right? I mean, you're, you're just getting to be a part of it and help somebody. And then at the beginning when we started this, the nuance, it's such a fine line between going one direction or the other, you know? And I mean, you you could be that voice, that that rock, that foundation that keeps that person on that other path. Yeah. And just for like the mentee that Tara has, there were others that were involved in his life before she kind of stepped into it. And now they know where he is and are all amazed of just the growth and the progress that has come because he's had somebody consistent in his life. Yeah, and somebody consistent that's a little removed. Mm -hmm. I I think that's huge, you know? It's not a teacher day-to-day. It's not a coach. So I just, wow, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about today about the program or get any other message out? I mean... I just want to throw out there also that 
I know that I do not have like a regular full-time job. So people may be thinking, you know, oh, that's easy for her to be able to volunteer because she can come and go whenever she wants to and things like that. But honestly, you can do this no matter you're a retired teacher, whether, whether you teach during the day or anybody can do this, whether you have a full-time job or you don't, or maybe you have kids at home. And I know that it's, it's for different people at different levels. Mm-hmm. But if you're one of those people that are out there just thinking, wow, I just would like to, to make a difference somehow, but I don't know how. Um, this is one of those programs that would be ideal um, to get involved in. One other area that I think would be of, of interest is, I know that with all the bankings, the banks, they have like a CRA, um, Community Reinvestment, Reinvestment Act. Okay. Meaning that um, if you work at a bank, their employees have to have so many hours of volunteer service. And I don't know all the logistics to it. But when their examiners come in, they look at that. You know, how many CRA hours or how is how are your employees invested back in the community? So if you're at a business or own a business that has anything like that, this could be a great opportunity for your employees to get involved and possibly do it during working time. You know, take that child out for lunch. Yeah, or, that's a that's a really good point. Know, um, when I worked at Intuit in Denver, we had We Care Give Back, which was forty hours of paid community service. So I, I would imagine some of the bigger companies around here might have something like that too. And that would be a great way to use that. Yes, it would. So that's just uh, that's another another way to look at it too. Okay. If you are working full time or have, you know, something like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think if there's our big thing is we really if you if anyone has an interest in becoming a mentor, we want to remove any work with them to remove any barriers so they can do it. So don't say like well, yeah, I don't have the time or I don't have the money. Like, talk to us. Like, we'll f- let's let's yeah. work together and figure it out. So I just really encourage people to kind of give it a chance. And mm-hmm. if you're interested and want to learn more, I mean, I'm happy to talk about it. I'm going to volunteer. Tara, happy to talk about it. Um, Advocates for Children, Jess up there, is always willing to answer any questions somebody has. So, And then as far as... Uh, you know, so next week somebody says, yeah, I want to do this. Do you get details about who the, the mentee is as far as age and gender, or does it matter? You just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. So, and Tara can kind of speak to this as well, but what happens is, so after you've gone to the training, they approach the mentor about just like a really general description about this is the person we're kind of thinking of pairing you with. What do you think? Mm. They say yes, and then you guys have an introduction call to see if it's going to work. And at any point in that, the mentor or the mentee can say, like, I'm just not feeling this. Because we have had some concerns of people who've been interested in mentors of, like, well, what if I get a mentee that I know? Um, because we're a small community. That's a good point, too. I hadn't and thought of. So because of that, we've had that discussion with Advocates for Children. They said at any point – that mentor or mentee can say, I'm not going to be the best mentor for this person because I have a different, like I already have a relationship with him that's not going to make us successful Mm -hmm. and that's not a problem at all. So it's not like, sorry, here's your youth. You don't have any input in it. They really allow you to have input because they want them to be successful. Um, If you make a match that doesn't click. Yeah, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, 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 you don't want to set it up to not succeed. Mm -hmm. And then as far as uh, CASA and other orga- or programs like this, this is statewide, nationwide, or? So CASA is a nationwide program, and I forget how many CASAs there are nationwide, but the 
like our judicial district, we're the 13th judicial district, we do not have a CASA program that supports us. And so really that was part of our process is working through Advocates for Children, had to jump through a whole bunch of hoops just mm-hmm. to be able to do their voluntary one with them at like the national level and the state level. And so that's why it took us about six months. And, and that's the court appointed, mm-hmm. right? And so th- this actually is different because it's not. Yeah, well, okay. even to be able to do the voluntary program, the, what we call the legacy project out here, even right. to be able to do the voluntary one, CASA had to talk at the national level and the state level to kind of get permission. And ultimately gotcha. we were able to bring it out here because all the youth are voluntary. Gotcha. So we're really covering legacy today. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Awesome. Well, I mean, this, it's such a good program. And I mean, you know, thanks to both of you guys in the community for putting your time and effort into it. You're welcome. And I know it's Jessica, Jessica and I here talking, but this is open up to male and female of all, you know, both sides. Oh yeah. Because um, there's youth out there that possibly a female mentor would not be the best fit for that person for whatever reason or a male mentor wouldn't be the best person for that so we need to get we need to to get both male and female mentors in our county so that we have the best fit you know for for these youth and um one thing that I do want to say and I'm not going to say end on this or anything but I asked my mentee um at the beginning what he wanted to to see in his life and what he wanted to change. And this will this will always stick to me because he said, I don't want to just exist. I want to learn to live. Yeah. And I think of anything that this is what this program does is it teaches, it's going to help teach these youth how to live and, and not just exist. Yeah, and, and teach them they're important and there's – stable, dependable people that care about them. And, uh, yeah, I think you guys have done a fantastic job of explaining it in a way people can understand and that it's a unique program that if somebody doesn't have the ability to foster but they want to make a difference in the community, and we have a lot of people in the community that care about our our youth and our our families and whatnot. So hopefully we can have some other people reach out and say, hey, I want to give this a shot. Yeah, and if anyone's interested – they can always call me, like I said earlier, at 719-347-1194. Or our program does have a website, which is hitcarsoncountycmp.colorado.gov. And we do have like a little description of the Legacy Project on there. Awesome. Well, and uh, thanks again for coming in. And this podcast will be live, I envision, probably by Sunday. So I'll make sure I have you email me all the information. That website would be tough to remember. So, but we'll put it up on, uh, it'll be on Facebook and then you can listen, people can listen to it on Spotify and iTunes. So thanks again for coming in. Thank you. All right.